Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now it's Rich Valdez. So if you thought you had a shot with J-Lo, forget about it. A-Rod's back in the picture. Plus, CBS News is continuing to perpetrate their racist propaganda. You're going to find out more about that in a minute. And the Border Patrol says this is the worst situation they've ever seen. Ever. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America Starts Right Now. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, New York City? What's going on, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. We're right here live, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. Welcome. Our telephone number is 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. And we're going to take your calls on pretty much just about anything. I know there's a lot of people like, man, this guy's pompous. He's arrogant. He's this and he's that. They want to take shots at me. I welcome you. Bienvenido. Give me a call. But also... Uh, those of you that want to chime into the conversation and, you know, drop a pearl of wisdom and get intellectual with us, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. One of the things that I want to get into right now is uh, CBS News, right? So CBS News, they um, they have apparently lost their damn mind. Now, CBS News believes that it's okay to perpetrate racist tropes through propaganda masquerading as news. And there's a gentleman, Tony Dunkapil. He's definitely a left-wing advocate, and he advocates for his left-wing positions. Very much, if you want to call me a right-wing, I don't like the term right-wing. I don't believe I'm from the right-wing. I don't, you know, um, I don't believe in fascism. I am brown, if you will. I think that's, everybody sees things through the lens of racism. So if you have your racist glasses on, I'm the brown guy. And you know, that reminds me of a joke before I get into CBS. A joke that uh, I, th- I think was funny. What do you get when a Puerto Rican guy, a Jew, and two black guys walk into a radio station? You get This Is America here at WABC. That's right. Today I got Ray Ray Mundy's black and Dominican over here, right? We got James. He's black. <laughs> and then we got Justin Ellick. He's, he's a Jew from Chappaqua. And of course, Rich Valdez with an S. I am uh, an American of Puerto Rican descent, a proud one. And I live in Jersey now across the, across the pond. And I'm using my British accent because last night we had, uh, I had the honor to fill in in the 10 to 1 p.m. slot as we, um, ushered out one of uh, a, a great talent here at WABC and are welcoming another starting Monday. But what I wanted to say was I had a member of European Parliament or a former member of European Parliament that joined us. And if you, um, you know, I'll figure out how you can guys can hear that. But she uh, always says things like, oh, Rich, it's so nice to talk to you from across the pond, you see. And uh, it's always nice. Now, um, I want to talk about CBS News. CBS News is one of those things 
you know, that you, you think, you know, Catherine Herridge is there, you know, CBS News, you know, Walter Cronkite. This is a news agency. But this particular report, I think, misses the mark. Now, it's, it's from like a month ago, February 19th, 2021. And uh, the morning news, he's one of the co-hosts, uh, Tony Delcapillo. This is really not a, uh, and if I'm saying it wrong, it's not on purpose. It's just I don't know how to pronounce that name. But the the my intention or the intent of my commentary is really focused on the end game here. Ultimately, at the end of this thing, I want somebody sent this to me. I was like, check this out. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking it is devoid of so many really important facts. I'm not going to play it six minutes long. I'm not going to play you the whole thing. But we grabbed a couple of chunks of this. And I want you to hear at least the first part of it, because uh, to me, it, it's incredibly misleading. But you let me know. Uh, play the cut. The White House said this week it supports the study of reparations for black Americans. In Congress, H.R. 40, that's a bill, would examine the history of slavery and discriminatory government policies and suggest ways to address inequality. Consider this, the typical white household has about 10 times the accumulated wealth of the typical black household. It's an issue we began looking into last summer on the campaign trail, and we found what many scholars say is the root of this racial wealth gap. It's not entirely in slavery or some century-old wrong, but in fact in the modern suburbs, and it touches on my own family's history. In 1953, my grandfather, Rudy DeCopel, became a homeowner, moving my grandmother and three kids, including my dad, out of a tiny apartment in Manhattan and into a new house in Lynnhurst, New Jersey, one of America's growing suburbs. After World War II, millions of families made a similar move. Families are pursuing the American dream to give their children a better chance in life. A lot of them were masons, carpenters, farmers. Working class. Working class. Proudly so. Definitely. So here's the thing. For those of us that are awake, and I, I don't want to put anybody down, I happen to be somebody that I, I watch and listen to the news critically, with a critical ear, with a critical eye, because I realize these people are going to cogerme de bobo, right? They're trying to take me for a sucker. My mother always told me as a kid, she said, mira, nene, no seas bobo. And it was a great lesson learned. You know, listen, kid, don't be a sucker. And I appreciate that. Thank you, mother. R.I.P. Here's the deal. When you listen to the news like that, he starts out with the racial wealth gap in America dates back. Well, it's not just slavery. It had its pause, sir. Pause. <laughs> the racial wealth gap. First of all, who who coined this term racial wealth gap? Where did it come from? Why does it exist? It, are we supposed to have wealth parity? That's the question. And I don't mean parity, P-A-R-O-D-Y. I mean parity, P-A-R-I-T-Y. Should my income be the same as yours? That's question number one. Question number two, should my income be the same as yours because of the color of my skin? Excuse me, sir, who's the racist, ma'am? I don't understand how you could even ask a question like that and not get any pushback. Because to me, we shouldn't look at things that way. I realize that everybody has a different job. I'm looking out the window right here in New York City. I see cabs on the street. I see a restaurant that's still shut down. World-famous restaurant, by the way. And I, I'm looking at all this. I see me through the glass. I could see a reflection of myself. I'm talking on a microphone as a broadcaster. Everybody has a different job. There's an engineer here. There's a producer here. There's another producer here. Everybody has a different role. 
If you're really good at your role, you make a lot of money. If you're okay at your role, you make some decent money. If you're if you're not that great at your job, you may not make some money. If you're really, really bad at your job, you don't even have a job. Right? So what, what ends up happening is that is the free market. And to make a statement like the roots of the racial wealth gap to me is something that is, is it, today, not in 1930, not in 1940, and not in 1950. I'm talking about today. To me, it's nonsensical. Now, again, you might want to beat me up on this one and say, oh, but Rich, that's unfair. No, listen, listen. In 1968, well, you know, before I get into that, I, I want you to hear the rest of this stuff. But to me, I look at this and I'm thinking, this is really just a, a mischaracterization of the facts. It's a misrepresentation of the truth. Because certain people were able to move into certain neighborhoods, I'm not defending redlining. Let me be the first to tell you, redlining was wrong. So was Jim Crow. That was wrong, too. These are all ideas that were spread by who? The right-wing Republicans? Eh, hell no. It was the Democrats that promoted this stuff. Just like they promoted the minimum wage to freeze people out to keep blacks at a certain wage to make sure that they couldn't earn as much as the other people. And yet now everybody's like, oh, the minimum wage, best thing ever. No, man, not how it works. But I look at that and I hear this report and I'm thinking, why would we unearth the bad news of a long time ago but for trying to bring about those feelings today? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but let's listen to this next clip. This is Tony Dockerpill, CBS Morning News, as they start to talk about the fair housing report. Check this out. America's suburbs have another story, less often told, about who was able to buy these homes and benefit from that boomtime economy, and who was not. It's just a remarkable record of exclusion. David Trout is a law professor at Rutgers University, Newark. It is not accidental, and it is not just a, a question of bad attitudes. It's a question about inequitable rules. From the 1930s to the 1960s, the major federal programs that developed the suburbs and guaranteed mortgages were for whites only, first as a matter of policy and later in practice. Redlining, for example, is a term that comes from these 1940s era maps. All right, so hold on a second. This is something that now he's clear he's talking about the 1930s and the 1940s. But guess what? A whole bunch of things were for whites only back then, right? And again, I'm not defending that. That was wrong then and it's wrong today and it's not allowed today. So this is something I think we need to take into account. We're sitting here telling a story from a long time ago. This is not a history lesson, right? This is masquerading as news, right? This is, uh, as the great one Mark Levin would say, this is propaganda dressed in drag as the news. Did by the Federal Housing Authority. Green, blue, and yellow areas were typically eligible for government-backed loans and investment. The red areas were not, leaving them starved for resources. And as I looked back at Lynnhurst and the surrounding county where my great-grandparents also owned a home, I noticed those redlined areas had a lot in common. They were anywhere from 45% to 95% Negro, the term used. Some had wells spoiled by typhoid. Some did not have city gas or utilities going to all the properties. Some were divided off by a railroad line or an elevated train. So physical segregation in addition to everything else. Any of that surprise you? Listen, this stuff is horrible and our history is incredibly important. 
I'm glad that Mr. DeCopel or DeCopel is not trying to cancel this because it depicts Americans as racist back in the day, right? Because that's what apparently a lot of people are doing right now. Pepe Le Pew, etc. Even, andale, andale, Speedy Gonzalez. But you got to look at this and think, it's okay if this was a documentary. This was a news package on the CVS Morning News. And this, so much of this, I mean, look at the level of dissection that we have to have and break it down clip by clip, minute by minute, to sit here and get the truth out of this, to, to pull things out. I mean, this is something that is um, painful to me to watch as an American, to say, you know, this is how we have to listen to our news with such a critical ear. But we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to get to your calls. I see the calls are coming in. I welcome those calls, 1-800-848-9222. And we're going to continue on that. Plus, straight ahead, we're going to talk about what's going on with Cuomo, what's going on with the border at the bottom of the hour. And there's an experimental Alzheimer's drug that's coming out that I want to talk about. And I'm hoping maybe, just maybe, it might help somebody that uh, that really needs help. So keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. The 45th President, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Call now. 800-848-9222. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez on 77 WABC. All right, New York City, welcome back. Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And we're talking about how housing policy before the Fair Housing Act in 1968 really was a negative um, effect on communities of color, in particular black Americans. And it was a travesty. It was horrible. It was something that the Democrats never should have done, but they did, just like so many other things that they promoted because of their very deep roots in racism. And now today, it's those same Democrats, you know, uh, calling themselves progressives that want to unearth those same things and kind of relitigate the past when it's already been fixed. But today isn't the same as it was years ago. Years ago, redlining was a thing. Today, not so much. But again, CBS News and their... um you know, I don't even know if this was a brazen, overt, on-purpose attempt. I really think that this is their own social activism pouring over into what should have been just objective journalism. But it ends up becoming something that is um, kind of wrapped in demagoguery where you watch this and you can't help but think, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. America is a terrible place. We've done some terrible things. Yes. I mean, I think everybody knows that. And if you don't know that, then you need to learn better. But I don't think we need to relitigate the past or pretend that it's news today to somehow make it look like now we need to fix this now in Congress. We need to start paying people uh, because, sir, you, you are a few shades darker than me. You have more melanin than I do. And this is why now you must um, receive money. And we're going to do a wealth transfer, a Marxist socialist wealth transfer to you because because of something that happened a long time ago to kind of even the playing field. I've got news for you, my friends. When you believe in a free market, and that is what we have here, there is no level playing field. It is what it is. The market is free. You can do – the level playing field is that you can do whatever I can do. Now, granted, the thumb was on the scale against black Americans in those eras, you know, the 1930s, 40s, 50s, up until 1968 when they introduced the Fair Housing Act. But now, 
not so much. But this doesn't stop them from producing news today in 2021 to do that because now they have power in government and they want to spend money as much as they can because they know this power is going to run out. They know Biden's not going to be in office forever. And they know the American people are eventually going to get hip to this and say, oh, hell no. But he continues, Mr. Dokopil, with this third part of the report. Black families who couldn't own those nicer homes have not been able to build the same wealth over time. Many Americans, me included, are only just now coming to terms with how big a role our federal government had in enforcing discrimination. This is where they're now going to introduce the idea. He just subtly introduced the idea of white guilt. White guilt. Many Americans, myself included. Uh, now he feels bad that his family was able to do that. Now, listen, you should feel bad, but you don't feel fa- bad for yourself. Don't feel guilty. You didn't do anything wrong. Right. I didn't do anything wrong. I wasn't around in 1968. So for me to feel like I did something in 1930, 40, 50 or even 60, this is asinine. Please don't insult my intelligence. The question now is, what are we going to do about it? The one thing that I'm struggling with, and this is as as somebody whose family came through here, is when I looked at the old maps, just... Now, I just want to preface this. Mr. Dokopil, he, he says that he was uh, you know born, raised in Lyndhurst, New Jersey. So at this point in the interview process, he's sitting down with like a councilman or a former cop and a mayor uh, of Lyndhurst, New Jersey. And he puts them on the spot with this emotional plea, with the violin playing, heart, you know, pulling at the heartstrings. Listen to this. The river, the areas were redlined by the federal government, meaning they weren't worthy of mortgages. And Lynnhurst wasn't redlined. What do you do with that knowledge? You move on. Come on, it's all God's people. Now that we do know, right. what do we do about it? No, that's a good question. I don't have the answer to that, Tony. I wish I did. So there you have it. The mayor tells him, you move on. We're all God's people. My goodness, how profound. No wonder he's the mayor. Absolutely. What else can you do? I mean, you think of any inequity that has happened to somebody. Years ago, there was a a singer that I liked, and his son was backing out his new truck out of the driveway and ran over his five-year-old daughter, and she died in their driveway. His son killed his daughter. The brother killed the sister. You tell me if you think that's fair. You tell me if that's equitable. It's not. Are we supposed to go back and legislate this horrific accident that happened by saying, you know, we're going to give you money? Now, if you're saying, all right, Rich, listen, I agree with you most of the time, but now these comparisons you're making of running kids over in the driveway and redlining, they're incomparable. No, the comparison is we cannot right the wrongs of the past by giving out money today. Does that make sense? I think it does. But all that being said, I want to get your opinions on this stuff. I want to go to Pam in New Jersey. Hey, Pam, you're on with Rich Valdez. Oh, thank you very much. Um, No, this is interesting because it got me thinking that you could also make a comparison There was something else going on during that time. And this is just one aspect of many things, as you said. There was something called white flight. And I'm a baby boomer. It was part of the 50s. My dad was a veteran. And what uh, caused white flight to a large extent was um, they got the GI Bill of Rights and they were able to afford a mortgage. And uh, they left the cities. 
So that was a big aspect of it. Uh, if you were a veteran, you got the GI uh, Bill yeah, of and Rights. And you know, and again, back in that time, so many policies in the federal government, uh, driven by Democrats, were very racist in nature. Like, for example, GI Bill was not something that was racist. GI Bill is a fantastic program, but the administration of the program, uh, a lot of people had their thumb on the scale, and the reason it was white flight and not just everybody flight or military flight was because black soldiers weren't able to get the same benefits to go to school, to get the the VA home loan, to do lots of different things. So, I mean, the the history is genuine, right? It is very genuine. And people did leave the urban areas. There were once ghettos that were very um, multiracial. You know, there were white poor people. There were Chinese poor people. There were black poor people, Irish, Italian, you name it. Everybody who was poor was poor. And we looked at each other as poor people. But little by little... The racist Democrats that were in office at the time, they had their thumb on the scale and they promoted this and promoted this and it created white suburbs. And eventually they said, you know what? We, this has to change. We can't continue this. And in 1968, they go ahead and they introduce the Fair Housing Act. And what, what I find um, remarkable about this report is that at no point in time did they um, really make a single mention that red line was outlawed in 1968. And it's just another example of how the left propagandizes things just to push the lie of racial inequality. In that report, they mentioned a woman who I consider to be a hero, Lee Porter. She's the head of the fair housing um, group in Bergen County, New Jersey, where this story takes place. And at the very end, uh, this reporter, he admits that she... And other black families, including New Jersey Senator Cory Booker's family, owned homes in some of the most expensive parts in like Westwood, New Jersey, in Bergen County. Black families have been making a home in Bergen County for a long time. Black families, uh, since the Fair Housing Act was enacted, have been able to get loans. Puff Daddy used to own probably one of the nicest houses in Alpine, New Jersey. That's about 20 minutes past where I live and way nicer. And all this is to me, Pam. It's the addiction to victimization. It's a fraud. And it's to sucker good-hearted people into believing that there's widespread inequity that comes from problems that were solved a generation ago. And as you and I both know, while there's still racial segregation in neighborhoods, and usually because people want to live that way, they're still trying to push this idea of white guilt as a BS construct, honestly, that was created by communist sympathizers just to sucker people into peddling their lies. And it's a damn shame. Pam? Example of, of guilt. The guilt um, I taught special ed for years, and a lot of times regular teachers would feel sorry for my kids and say, oh, well, they can go ahead of the line. They can. And I said, no, no, don't, don't like why? pity my kids. Pity is weak. It will make them weak and make anybody weak. You don't pity people. It brings people down. Yeah, good for you, Pam. I appreciate your call. Excellent insight, and thank you for being one of the good guys. And the uh, and yes, I said good guys. I didn't say good girls. Uh, I'm a rebel that way, and I do appreciate that. I think we need more educators like you out there. Keep it locked right there. The rest of your calls, plus, oh boy, remember when they said defund the police, defund the police? Well, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler, he's crying. We need to refund the police, refund the police, because they're killing people. Homicides are up 85% in Portland. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. The 45th President, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The 
honor is all yours. Call now, 800-848-9222. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez on 77 WABC. That means it's my turn when the music goes on for a little bit too long. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Parlor at Rich Valdez. I'm also on Instagram. If I mention that again, I'm mentioning it again. I like Instagram. It's a fun social media because you get to see pictures, and I, fe- I find it easy to use. I find the other ones a little bit more difficult. I know sometimes I fool people into thinking I'm a little bit smart, and uh, that's just a little bit. When it comes to technology, I'm really uh, two left hands, two left feet, all that stuff. But welcome back, everybody. Our phone number is 1-800-848-9222. We are going to get to your calls right now, but Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler uh, from Portland, Oregon, he called for nearly $2 million in additional funding for the city's police force after... Uh, citing a rise in homicides and other violent crime. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Now, members of the city council either were like, "Mm -mm, I'm not saying anything, or they weren't fully committed thus far on whether they're going to back his plan or not. The request came by second term mayor Ted Wheeler because of his state of the city address three days after Wheeler condemned one of the latest killings in the city in broad daylight, the slaying of a 42 year old man in the city in a park. Now, this strikes me as particularly messed up because guess what? I'm 42 years old. Now, I don't really go to the park too much, but I did when I was younger with my kids and everything. But it really makes you think, we have to wait for people to get killed to say, you know, that whole defund the police thing really wasn't a good idea. Now, of course, there's going to be some progressive Democrats, socialists of America, whoever they are, come and say, well, you know, that's the problem with you right wingers. You people mischaracterize everything. We never wanted to defund the police. We just said abolish ICE. We just said, you know, uh, uh, defund the, the, the militaristic aspects. Nobody, nobody said that. If you, I'm listening to the news, three people said that. Meanwhile, the rest of the whole Democrat party was like, yeah, no, police brutality, inequity, 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 right? Not even inequality, just inequity. Everybody's fascinated with this. So now the people are killing each other in the streets. Now everybody loves the police again. Now don't go so fast, Rich. We don't love the police yet. We just don't want to die. That's what it takes sometimes. This is the outcome of the Democrats. Now, you add that with what's going on with uh, the border, and you've got, I think his name's Christopher Cabrera, if I'm correct. He is uh, the head of one of the border unions down there, and he says the situation at the border is an absolute crisis. Listen to this. How bad is it? Put this in perspective. Yeah, this is, is the worst I've ever seen. Unfortunately, I, I think it's there's more to come. I don't think this is a high point by any stretch of the imagination. And Chris, why is this happening? Is it just because of President Biden's undoing of many of President Trump's policies or is it something else? Well, you know, I think part of the uh, you know undoing of the policies and then anytime there's an election cycle, you're, you're going to have um, 
uh, a rush towards the border depending on um, what the rhetoric is and, and what they're hearing on their end. Whether or not it's, it's actually true, it, it's kind of immaterial at this point. What it is is that's their perception of it, so they're going to move forward with it. Chris, is this a crisis? You know, I, I would believe so. I mean, I, I haven't seen it this bad, and if this isn't a crisis, and you know, I hate to see what what is. Yeah, it's a damn crisis. You even got guys like uh, good old Ted Wheeler, right? Going back to Portland for a second. Listen to what he wrote in a tweet. This shooting was brazen and horrific. Wheeler wrote on Twitter, the city and its partners are working hard to prevent and reduce gun violence. It's a public health crisis that's harming our entire community. It's right in black and white. No racism intended right on this paper. So now Mr. Wheeler is calling murder in the city a crisis. And yet not a single person in the Biden administration can say that there's a crisis at the border. Now, Jen Pacircle back Pasaki, she says, uh, well, it doesn't matter what you call it because a crisis is a crisis, blah, 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 blah. And this is why I make fun of Jen Pacircle back Pasaki, Silent P, of course, because she's always saying something and dancing around the issues. Listen to this. Question on the border. The administration has refused to call it a crisis instead of referring to it as a challenge and saying what you call it doesn't make a difference of how you're responding to it. But now today there are over 3,700 children, unaccompanied migrant children, in Border Patrol custody. They're spending on average over 100 hours, four days, in these facilities that are jail-like facilities not meant for children. So how can you say that's not a crisis? Well, I think what uh, Ambassador Jacobson and Secretary uh, Mayorkas were conveying and what I've conveyed is it doesn't matter what you call it. It is an enormous challenge. It is something that is front and center for the president. What you call it. It doesn't matter what you call it is what they're saying. It's funny. I thought it mattered what you called it. I thought facts mattered. But anyway, this is what's going on at the border. This is what's happening across America. This is what's happening in the current state of affairs with the media. And the media, and I'm going to get to your calls, but just so much I want to talk about. And honestly, I'm going to need your help in lobbying the suits over here. Uh, Chad Lopez, Dave Labrosi, maybe even John Katz himself, because I have so many things I want to talk about. And I'm constrained to these 47 minutes minus commercials. And it's just not enough sometimes. Uh, I, you know, I got spoiled with the three hours I was doing this week, uh, to cover the span of time between the, the old show that was going out and the new show coming in Monday. And I get these two hours on WLIR, our sister station, which, uh, please, quick plug for me. If you're listening, you can stream it. You could listen to it in the car, in your home, 1071 FM. That is WABC's FM signal. You can always check me out there every day, Monday through Friday. I'm on two hours a day from 10 to 12. That's 10 in the morning till 12 noon. And uh, I'd love for you to give us a call and uh, join that conversation because we have, you know, I let my hair down for that show. It's a little bit more fun. Now, I want to get to your calls, but I wanted to throw this one last piece out there. It says in the uh, Breitbart by Alan Bokari, it says, the establishment media tells Congress, give us a handout to stop misinformation. Representatives of the big media conglomerates told Congress that they need a special antitrust exemption to defend their industry. So they want to be able to be monopolistic, yet um, they're saying this because they think that this is how it's a, it's a sham. And I'm going to get into it. You know, it needs its own segment. So let's uh, go straight to the phones. 800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-WABC. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you like. Tell me what your beef is. And we're going to go to, let's see, Jack. Jack in Stanford, Connecticut. 
Thanks for holding. What's hey. on your mind tonight, today, today, afternoon? Good afternoon. How are you? Hey, am I <laughs> yeah. calling you on the gringo line, the whites-only line, the black-only line? Actually, this is sure. the American line, sir. You never have to make sure on This Is America with Rich Valdez because you know why? Because it's all about America. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or brown or anything. And that's why I spent so much time highlighting how the left always puts so much emphasis on black and brown and white supremacy and white guilt and this and that. But rest assured, we are a bastion of American patriotism here at this show. What's on your mind, Jack? Terrific. I'll tell you real quick, because I worked in Europe a few years ago and we were talking about it. Does that make you and racist, no sir? How- No, no matter how long I stayed in that country, I would never be considered a member of that country. I'd always be the outsider. But if I would tell my colleagues there, I said, yeah, but when you come to the United States within three years, five years, if you want to be an American and get your green card or your citizenship, you're going to stand up next to me and say, I'm an American. Yeah. But I'm calling because your first topic, first off, too, my parents came here in the 60s, um, separately married. And within 12 years, they owned their own house. And how did they do that? My mother worked two jobs. Uh, for years, my father, two jobs, you know, six days a week. You know, Jack, not to, uh, I'm going to let you finish. I just, I really have to say this. You know, it's interesting. I love what you're telling me. This is music to my ears that one person could have two jobs, right? I just love this. Yet AOC says, Americans, they have to have three jobs and four jobs just to make a living. Blah, boo, hoo, hoo. And that's all out crazy. Our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. Go ahead, Jack. Well, I'm a, I'm one of those white fighters from the Bronx. My parents, you know. Are you in Westchester now? Spot. Oh no, you're in Stanford. No, I'm up okay. in Connecticut, Stanford. Yeah. I, Stanford. I got a brother in Stanford. Yeah, nice but neighborhood. My, you know, my both my parents were uh, you know just maintenance workers, janitors. My mother was a lady that cleaned houses, God bless and then mine at night too. she cleaned offices. And my dad worked as a facilities guy for a company. And on a Saturday, he used to tell me, he "Goes, I'm the only one that knows how to use the floor cleaning machines back in those days." Yeah, like so the Zamboni. On a Saturday, well, not that, but the small ones. Yeah, yeah. Steve. He says it was a bit of a skill thing at one time, and he goes, "So he worked, but they always worked, and then they bought a house." But I'm calling. It's not the wage gap that's the problem. It's the problem. Problem that these people people do not save any money or yeah, invest. That's I definitely part of it for sure. And your readers' things to Google. There was this janitor in Vermont that died six years ago about that. And just Google Vermont janitor. When he died, he left nine million dollars to the local hospital and the library and the big things in Forbes and CN. Everyone covered it, and they said the interesting thing about him having nine million dollars is he wasn't a banker or a rock star he worked for his brother pumping gasoline in his station and he was a janitor at jc penny and he just started putting a few dollars away every month or every pay packet into the market and over 50 years he amassed or you know 50 to 40 around 40 45 years he amassed this amount he could have spent a few dollars on himself from the looks of uh, some of the photographs but that's how you do it people yep. spend more than they make i'm an accountant i see it all the time you make a hundred dollars a week you spend two a hundred and two dollars a week that's Nobody a, you're nailing that. it, Jack. I mean, on so many levels, you're right. And this is the truth. Hard work pays off. That's the bottom line. That's why this is America. I thank you for your call. Let's go to uh, Noel. Noel in Westchester. What's going on, Noel? Oh, yes. Hello. I wish I had my facts uh, perfectly straight, but I just called because I missed the conversation of injustices and you know, historically, um, it was brought to my attention about a year ago that it was against the law for Catholics to own, to be property owners in New England up until the 1950s. 
But you know what's interesting about, and not specifically about that, uh, but with respect to anti-Catholic sentiment, there's been tons of it. I mean, there was so much anti-Catholic sentiment to the point where I've met people that are uh, of Italian descent, and they told me that uh, in Newark, New Jersey, back in those times, 1950s, that they would treat the African Americans better than they would treat the Italians uh, in the Catholic schools, and it was uh, it was blowing it was mind blowing to me. But I was talking to somebody who had lived through that, somebody who was actually president of the New Jersey Senate uh, in throughout his career, and I was just floored. And I had no idea there was this uh, discrimination. It had nothing to do with race, obviously. It wasn't because they were Italian or they're Irish, or maybe that played a part in it. But it had to do with um, just, I think, immigrant status, like, hey, we're the immigrant group that took over at this time and, and grew and, and established ourselves. And there was a new group coming in and buying homes and, and, you know, getting jobs and working and creating their families in these neighborhoods. And there was pushback, you know, I mean, you could call that white on white discrimination. And it to me was mind boggling, but I'm, I'm not old enough to know that, but I know it's a fact. I know it's a real thing. So, you know, it makes sense. And when people talk about lynching, you know, there's a lot of lynching that we don't know. There were, there were Irishmen that were lynched. There were Italian Americans that were lynched. There, there is a sordid, S-O-R-D-I-D, sordid past of, of history in America. And it's not uniquely American. These are things that were happening worldwide. But it is unique in America that we got away from them and we showed the leadership and, and faced these challenges. And we're able to get away from them. So I thank you for bringing that up, uh, Noel, in Westchester, because it really was a great point, and I appreciate it. Let's go to Jerry in Brooklyn. Jerry, what's up, man? You're on with Rich Valdez. Hi. Hey. I just want to – first thing I would like to say something that I don't usually – I don't call radio stations my first time. You know I'd what? Like I don't either. Go ahead. Proud, I'm proud of all the black people – that didn't listen to the BS that I grew up with and worked as hard as my father and everybody else and made very good for themselves. They own houses. They sent their kids to good schools. This whole thing uh, where racist and this and that, there were millions and millions of black people that did exceptionally well and nobody helped them. They got, they got ahead just like we did. They worked hard. Exactly the point. That's exactly the point, Jerry. I think you're 100%. You can prove, even when racism is a factor, right? And let's not forget that. You know, I don't want to ever minimize that. Black Americans have, I think, uh, something they can be extremely proud of because they there was redlining. There were things like the Jim Crow laws. We did live in a society that was against black people. So all that being said, all that being said, you have the... The ability to say, despite all of that, I was still able to succeed. And to me, that is uh, one of the hallmarks of Americanism. Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate that. Everybody keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. Your calls and more when we come back. We're going to finish that stuff on the um, establishment media looking for a handout to stop misinformation is what they're claiming. You know, in order to fight back against misinformation, we're going to need you to allow us to become super conglomerates. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Yeah. an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Call now. 
now. 800-848-9222. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez on 77 WABC. And I've learned an important lesson. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for whatever pain I caused anyone. I never intended it. Uh, and I will be the better for this experience. He's going to be better for this experience. So apparently, if it's true, he's going to be better for putting his hand up somebody's shirt. Is that what you think he's saying? No, I'm kidding. I'm being a little heavy-handed there. Uh-oh. Or was he being heavy-handed? Hmm. Ha. See, that was punny. Listen, I'm no fan of Andrew Cuomo, but when I see a snow job, I see a snow job. And this is a political hit job, if I've ever seen one. I mean, Andrew Cuomo can't but even go to the store wearing his little blanket, holding his Samuel Adams beer. And if you haven't seen that picture, please, maybe I'll tweet it out. I did yesterday, but I'll do it again. Uh, he, he looks really disheveled. He's in bad shape. And that's the part like, I, I can't tell if it's guilt or if it's like, holy crap, I didn't think I could fall from grace this quickly. But that's the problem. When you are a creation, an invention of an establishment media, they will bring you down just as quickly as they brought you up. When you are like somebody I'm going to cite right now who started his career right here in the hallowed grounds of Talk Radio 77 WABC, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, El Rushbo. El Rushbo started his career here fighting everything. He was so controversial, they put disclaimers on him. And he would say things like, you know that disclaimer that just played? the uh, They should actually make that federal law. <laughs> And I said, he's brilliant, this guy. He took everything and one-upped them, and that's why he was so great at what he did. And I'm not going to get into a conversation on Rush. We don't have the time, and he deserves another two, three hours. But I did do a whole show on that. If you want to Google it, feel free. Now, Senators Chuck Schumer and Kirsten or Kristen Gillibrand, I never know which one it is, have called for Cuomo's resignation after the sexual harassment allegations. Now, yesterday I was listening to 77 WABC with my colleagues Lydia Serrani and Congressman Peter King, and they were saying that the, the Democrats that are not calling for Cuomo to resign are saying, can you please step aside and allow the lieutenant governor to govern while you allow this to continue, irrespective of impeachment or resignation, just marginalize yourself. That's, you know, hedging their bets. They're thinking, how do you say no to that? The point is, there's not a Democrat anywhere, maybe Biden, that's saying, no, 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 come on. Listen, due process, he's innocent until he's proven guilty. That's not even happening. How does something like that happen? A, they know he's guilty, or B, they don't care if he's innocent. They want to bring him down. Now, we could speculate about why, but that is the news of the day. It happened yesterday in the afternoon, so I'm just bringing that up to speed, I'm bringing you guys up to speed on that on that piece. But, yes, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and uh, Senator Kristen Gillibrand released a joint statement saying the following. Confronting and overcoming the COVID crisis requires sure and steady leadership. We commend the brave actions of the individuals who've come forward with serious allegations of abuse and misconduct. Due to the multiple credible sexual harassment and misconduct allegations, it's clear that Governor Cuomo has lost the confidence of his governing partners and the people of New York. Governor Cuomo should resign. That's Chuck Schumer. So listen, when the big dogs in your party and your team no longer have your back, you're in really bad shape. Now, if Cuomo can come out swinging and... um, really bounce back from this, then, I mean, he's he is the Teflon Don. 
Don Cuomo Leone. And that's uh, Don Cuomo Leone. That's who uh, John Tobacco, my buddy John Tobacco, calls him that. I uh, have to give attribution. I'm not going to backbench. That's, uh, that's a no-no in this business. Anyway, I see that we have a few people on the line, so we're going to get to those calls right now. Uh, let's see. We've got line number eight. Um, your name went blank here. Can somebody tell me the name quickly before we go? Pablo, you're on with Rich Valdez. Uh, good afternoon, Rich. How are uh, you? Three quick things. Uh, the mayor of Portland and his remark about uh, uh, this is a health crisis. Yeah. That's the same code that the anti-gun lobby and anti-Second Amendment use uh, to talk about gun ownership in general. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a mixed message there. It's a health crisis, but he wants to couch it in the people that own guns are the blame for the crime. Right. Of course. Which is not true. Yeah. You know, it's uh, funny. I saw a meme the other day. I was scrolling through social media, and I saw a meme that says, uh, criminals before gun bans, and it shows a bunch of like uh, gang members holding guns, and then it says criminals after the gun ban, and it's the same exact picture of the same criminals holding the guns. Exactly. Uh, the second thing, uh, the thing on the media asking to have uh, uh, an exemption from antitrust. Mm-hmm. What they really want is an exemption from defamation uh, uh, suits because once they become a big amorphous mass, they have power and they'll legislate, pay off the legislators to form legislation to exempt them also from defamation. Uh, suits. Right. So, and, and they're kind of there now, but now that they're pushing back on the Section 230 protections, they're like, hold on, we've amassed this power. We don't want to lose power. We want more power. And now the third thought was uh, Cuomo. Mm-hmm. And uh, this may sound a little bit conspiratorial, but anyway, uh, you notice how the people, the big guys, Schumer, Gillibrand, Nancy Pelosi, all these people are asking for him to perhaps you should step down. Mm-hmm. Well, if he should survive this or should this had never happened, he was the number one contender that would beat either if, if, if Biden. Wiped, right. You know, yeah, they wanted to marginalize him because he'd become a rock star with COVID. He would wipe the floor with Harris. And, you know, so they don't want that to happen. They want to keep this status quo puppet government. And they know they're not going to get it from the king of arrogance himself, Cuomo. You know. Well, you know, he's he's sorry. He's sorry. Um, uh. <laughs> All right, Pablo. Thank you, brother. I appreciate your insight. And of course, yes, Essential Andy, Essential Andy from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. He won an Emmy for that podcast. You know, it's funny when I started calling him that, I was joking about him doing this thing that was like a podcast, like a TV show. And lo and behold, a year later, the guy wins an Emmy. I mean, such a smack in the face, A, to the real reporters that were doing their jobs, like Bernadette Hogan and everybody else, and he would always marginalize her. Oh, Bernadette. Oh, 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 um, oh, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I can't get enough of Essential Andy, honestly. Maybe I, I tomorrow I'll wake up being Machiavellian and I'll say, you know what? Uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So if my enemies are the progressives and the progressives are going after Cuomo, does he become my new Gumbadi Chich, as uh, one of my uh, broadcast mentors always says on the air? Anyway, I want to get to uh, at least one more call. Let's see who we go to. Let's go to Mike in the east side. Mike, New York City. What's up? It's only an hour show, Mike. All right. No more Mike. Let's go to uh, Debbie in Cranford, New Jersey. Debbie, what's on your mind? 
Um, last night on the news, I heard that there's a third virus coming, and I got to wondering, are these new people from across the border, are they, do they have COVID, and are they spreading it? You know, that's certainly a possibility, Debbie, but I, I think they're going to continually, I mean, as long as they can fool people with, oh, there's a third wave, there's a fourth wave, there's a fifth, it's called cold and flu season. And guess what? COVID is now a part of that. It's a respiratory virus that we now have a vaccine for. Thank God for, yes, that's right, for him, El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente, for Operation Warp Speed and helping us get that vaccine. Now, now listen, before my time is up and uh, the rest of the lineup comes, we got Joseph Abood, who, by the way, I bumped into in the studio last week, and he tells me, you have a lot of style. You dress sharp. Joseph Abood told me that. That was pretty cool. But we also got Cousin Brucey coming up. He's going to fire up the music radio tonight, and he's going to play your favorites from the 50s right through the 70s. Then at 10 o'clock, the iconic entertainer, Tony Orlando. He's Puerto Rican, too, you know. Anyway, keep it locked right here on 77 WABC. It's been my pleasure to be with you guys. If you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. Hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.